Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod in our series on the goodness of God as we go through the beloved passage, Psalm 23, verse by verse. And we're on verse two, which says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Now, last pod, we looked at five difficulties why we can't relax. And in this pod, we're going to see the solution to those five difficulties. And I've made it easy for you to remember because I know you're listening to this and by the end of it, you're going to forget. So all you have to do is remember, relax. We're going to give you five ways to get rid of those difficulties, R-E-L-A-X. So let's start with R. Remember my value to God. Now that is the starting point for getting a more sane schedule. It's the exact opposite of basing your worth on your work. It's the opposite of basing your identity on your career. And this is so against what the world teaches. It's so counterculture. See, who are you? One of the first things they ask you, what do you do? As if that is your identity. And the first thing you tell them is your job. You don't tell them about who you are, but about what you do. You know, but if we want to get off the rat race, we have to remember our value to God. So how valuable are you? Well, let's think about this. Heavenly Father created you, which means God doesn't create anything without value and God doesn't create anything without purpose. And God doesn't create anything without intention. The fact that you're alive means God loves you and wanted you to be alive. Heavenly Father created you. That's your value. You are priceless. You're unique. You are a masterpiece. Nobody is ever made like you. God didn't make any clones or copies. The Heavenly Father created you. Jesus died for you. That shows your value. Jesus didn't die for junk. The Holy Spirit lives in you. God put his spirit inside you when you trust him. All three of those show incredible value, incredible worth. You see, it's not what you do that gives you worth, but who you belong to. That is super important. It's like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So let me repeat that. It's not what you do that gives you worth, but who you belong to. I mean, think about it. What happens if you're disabled? That all of a sudden, you not have any value? Of course not. It's not what you do that gives yourself worth, but who you belong to. Now, for some of you, this can be a major change in your thinking because you grew up feeling, I'm a nobody. I'm, price, I'm not priceless. I'm worthless. I'm just like a cog in the machine. I'm nothing special. Oh no, you were wrong. See, growing up, somebody maybe have told you, a teacher, a peer, or a parent, you're nothing, you're worthless. You're never gonna amount to anything. That's what I heard when I was growing up. It was so common that even music videos made fun of it or talked about it or lambasted the parents. I mean, just watch a classic, Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. I mean, the whole first like minute of it, it's not even a song. It's like this guy screaming at his kids, you are worthless and weak. What do you mean you're going to pick up that guitar? You suck. And this is what a picture of what kids went through back 40 years ago. So I'm sure that hasn't changed. It's only gotten worse. And then you think, I'll show them. I'll show my mom. I'll show my dad. And that's driving you to work, 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 work. Now, that isn't true of everyone, but some of us get that motivation. I know I did. But you got to prove that you matter. 
You prove that you're not normal, that you're not ordinary. You're a superstar. Maybe you were even compared to a brother or sister or compared to a parent or dad or your mom. Why can't you be like so-and-so? And that's driven you, driven you to overwork for years and you still hear that inner voice 20, 30, 40 years later. And the truth is you can't afford to take time off because you keep on paddling, paddling up a stream that's impossible to paddle because you have to prove your worth. No, you don't. That's a lie. You are already extremely valuable because God created you. Jesus died for you. The spirit lives in you. You are unique. You don't have to prove anything to anyone You don't need their approval to be happy. You don't need their approval to be worthwhile because God says you're worthwhile. Jesus' death says you're worthwhile. The spirit living in you says you're worthwhile. So what in the world are you afraid of? See, the antidote to this building your worth on your work is to remember your value to God. You'll never be any more valuable to God than you are at this very moment. You'll never be any less valuable because he made you. See, my kids are valuable to me, not because of what they do, but because I created them. And they better be valuable because I just updated my insurance policy and it went from $1,500 a year to like $3,700 a year just because I added one daughter, no vehicles. That's crazy. Uh, But she's valuable, not because of what she's done, but because she came from my wife and I. James 1.18, this is what God says about you. God decided to give us life through the word of truth, which is Christ, so that we might be the most important of everything God has created. Wow. That means you're more important than the stars, more important than any extinct animal or any beautiful animal. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of everything God created. See, you matter more than everything else in creation. You know, why does it matter what someone else says about you or thinks about you? If God likes you, they got the problem, not you. You can relax. One of the reasons you don't have to work is that you don't have to prove yourself. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. He made me. He wanted me. He loves me. He created me and he made me just the way. And I don't have to be somebody else. I remember my value to God. Isaiah 49, 16 says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. When Jesus was nailed to the cross and those nails went through his hands, God permanently showed how much you matter to him. And when you get to heaven, the only person in heaven who's going to have scars is Jesus. And for the rest of your life and eternity, you'll be able to see how much you matter to him. Jesus says, I love you this much. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's how valuable you are. God has the one tattoo of you in heaven. When people fall in love, sometimes they'll get a tattoo of their lover, their girlfriend, their husband, their wife, their kids. But God has a, Jesus has a permanent tattoo of you engraved on the palm of his hands. So why in the world are you trying to prove your worth through your work? You already infinitely valuable according to what Jesus did on the cross. So the antidote to looking for your work as your worth is just realize how worthwhile you are to God. Are you broken? Yeah. Are you a sinner? Yeah. So am I. Are you perfect? (laughs) No, not even close. Are you deeply loved by God? Absolutely. Are you flawed? 
too many to count. But are you of infinite value? Yes. Jesus has engraved you on the palms of his hands. So why are you trying to feel your worth through your work? You don't need to. Number two, second step. This is the antidote to materialism, which is always wanting more and more and more. It's this, enjoy what you already have. Enjoy what you already have. There's the E in relax. It's called being content. Contentment doesn't come natural. You're not natural. We, we are restless sheep. By nature, we are discontented. We always want more. We always want something different, and yet it can't and yet it can be learned. Philippians 4, 12 and 13 says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in one, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Learning contentment means I don't have to have this incessant grabbing for more. Can we, can we become so preoccupied in getting more we don't enjoy what we have? Of course. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says a little food eaten in peace is far better than having twice as much earned from overwork and chasing the wind. It's better to have a little in peace. At the very last moment of your life, you're going to realize this. It's all about people you love, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Can't we learn this a little bit sooner to relieve a little bit of stress? More like a lot of stress? Of course. It would sure make life more fulfilling because it's not about achievements or accomplishments. It's about relationships. I'm sure you've heard this old statement. You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> I would love to see that one time, you know. <laughs> oh, in America, it's considered a tragedy to die penniless. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's perfect. I mean, the moment you spend your last cent, you pass away. Okay, it's time to go. Don't have any more money. It's great. It's brilliant. Still see bumper stickers like whoever has the most toys wins. I mean, really? I mean, think about it. Who dies with the most toys? You know what? They still die. He didn't win anything. And in all likelihood, he probably lost a lot of relationship building up all those toys. Remember your value to God. And then number two, enjoy what you already have. Stop trying to get something else. Then you go to the L, number three, limit my work to six days a week. Now I'm saying if you're not doing that, you're, you're really breaking one of God's big 10, the 10 commandments. Rest and recreation are so important to God, he put it in the 10 commandments. And you say, well, I'd never do those other commandments. You know, I never murder anybody or commit adultery or any of the other stuff. But this one's a little bit complicated. Are you taking the day off of work? I mean... That's how important God considers rest and recreation and relaxation. It's like a bow. You know, you pull a bow and arrow and the bow, you know, does its job. But if that bow, if the string stays on the bow and is never unstrung, eventually it loses its power. It loses its tension and it becomes not as good if you, because you didn't unstring it. Exodus 29 and 10 says, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of complete rest dedicated to me. Now, this is called the Sabbath, and every seventh day you take a day off. So Sabbath means a day of rest. That's all it means. And so did you know in your heart beats differently, you know, if you take that day of rest every seven days? We are biologically wired for a day of rest. God wants it us to rest 
And it's not for his benefit. It's for ours. It's not such some weird rule. See, the reason we get so stressed out today is we've forgotten this. In culture after culture, we forget that it's actually for our benefit. Mark 2.27 said the Sabbath was made to benefit man. It didn't make it for God. He made it for us because we need that rest. We need that day off because we're dying. So what do you do on this day of rest? A lot of people get confused about this. It's pretty simple. Number one, rest your body. Don't do work, especially yard work around the home that you know needs to be done. Take a break. Two, recharge your emotions. That's easy, right? Take some quiet, some solitude. Turn off the noise. You can go out and play something. You can run, walk, go to the beach, whatever. Relax, relax. Do some recreation, whatever it is. Not a competitive sport. Like if you're, you know, if you're like playing, I don't know, whatever competitive sport you can play, and that's your day of rest, I don't think so. So for football players, NFL, that Sunday is not a day of rest for them. You know what? The day of rest is Monday. Hopefully they'll take Monday and they don't do a darn thing. Maybe they can relax away. They get the day off and they just rest. That's what I'm talking about. Recharge your emotions through quietness, through recreation. Spend some time with people. Rest your body. Recharge your emotions. And third, refocus your spirit. That's what worship does. That's what you kind of do at church. It helps you to put things in perspective. Proverbs 14.30, a relaxed attitude lengthens your life. Envy rots it away. Envy is one of the reasons we overwork. I want what they got. So instead of being envious, why don't you just get this relaxed attitude? It's going to lengthen your life. It'll add hours to the day. So R, remember your value to God. E, enjoy what you already have. L, limit your work to six days a week. And A, the fourth thing, adjust your values. Reduce the busyness in your life. You're going to have to change the way you think about what's important. You need to ask the question, what's really important? Maybe even write it out. Mark 8, 36, what good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? But look at all the stuff I accomplished with my work. How's your soul doing? Did you forfeit your soul? Did you forfeit your relationships? Did you forfeit loving God? Did you forfeit loving your neighbor as yourself? Look at your life and adjust the values and say, you know what? Maybe I've been going after the wrong things and I got to work this out. My values need to change. An X, last letter, exchange my restlessness for God's peace. Matthew 6, 26 through 30, we've looked at this in the last couple of pods and Jesus says, look at the birds in the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them and you know that you are worth so much more than the birds. You can't add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about anything else? Look at the beauty of the flowers in the field. They don't worry or overwork. God takes care of them so you can be sure he will clothe you too. I mean, remember, you are more valuable than birds. God will take care of you. What we're talking about here gets to the heart or the root of your workaholism. It gets to the root of your restlessness or your worry and your stress and your fatigue. I mean, there's physical fatigue where your muscles are tired. There's emotional fatigue, fatigue where, you're, where your emotions are tired. There's spiritual fatigue where your spirit dries up. You need more simply to go to sleep to cure those emotions and spiritual 
I mean, you absolutely need to rest in bed, but that's not going to get rid of all the fatigue. It's not going to get rid of the spiritual and mental fatigue. And you say, well, I just need a vacation. Well, you probably do, (laughs) but you need more than that. What you need more than a vacation is that relationship to Jesus. And I challenge you to start working on this immediately. Plan your day of rest. God's way is, is not only the right way. It's the healthy way. It's the enjoyable way. If you're tired of living the way you're living, here's the answer. Come to Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 in the message paraphrase, it says, are you tired? You're worn out, burned out? Come to me. He, notice he doesn't say come to a doctor. Come to a class. No, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover with your life and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come to Jesus. He isn't going to load more on you. He's going to take it off. So if you are just loaded with concerns and worries, man, you need to take a break. You need to relax. So let's review. R, remember your value to God. E, enjoy what I already have. L, limit my work to six days a week. A, adjust my values. X, exchange my restlessness for God's peace. And I guarantee If you take the time to relax, your whole outlook will change. Your stress will go away and life becomes so much more enjoyable. Well, I hope that encourages you today. And I really hope that you start to relax this very day. God bless and I'll see you in the next pod.